So let me uh, welcome everybody in the room here in Lethbridge, uh, the students of a class called Globalization Since 1492. Uh, let me welcome uh, the folks in Edmonton at the University of Lethbridge campus. Uh, thanks to uh, Omi Becca and others, uh, we were able to uh, uh, get this installation in the midst of a very busy night with many And tonight is, um, I think, a, now there's a, I guess I'm hearing um, the delayed echo of my own talk, so we need to mute at the other end. Can you hear me? Okay, has that been done? Yes, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really pleased to uh, introduce a focus tonight on health. Uh, this is a class on globalization, so of course we're going to be looking at the broader context of uh, medical services, but we're spe specifically uh, addressing tonight uh, a proposal coming from the government of Alberta to uh, engage in um, what they're calling the third way uh, to uh, generate more public-private partnerships in the delivery of health care. And uh, this is a very uh, powerful issue, an emotional issue in Canada. It has a lot of resonance. Uh, Canadians have historically taken a lot of pride in the Medicare system in the fact that we uh, established the principle that the delivery of health services and Medicare is a uh, is more conceived as a right of citizenship, of Canadian citizenship, than a business uh, to uh, be delivered to clients. So uh, that's the context for tonight's chat. I'm sorry. It's kind of hard to uh, continue talking with. Uh, so what do I do? Just is there? Yeah. Is there something I need to know? Oh. I don't want to see me anyway. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so there's a, a delegation uh, coming from the legislature. As I say, the head of the uh, NDP party uh, ha was to have been with them, uh, maybe arriving later, uh, Brian Mason. Uh, and uh, uh, right before you is uh, my great friend and colleague, uh, Don Hill. Maybe you'll recognize his voice. He uh, had uh, for... Uh, a considerable amount of time uh, hosted uh, Wild Rose Forum, um, the phone-in show, the CBC phone-in show, and was really uh, generating uh, a lot of attention and a lot of interest. It was a very uh, high caliber, caliber public broadcast uh, under, his, uh, under his leadership. Uh, and I'm really happy that you were able to make it, Don. Um, Don has been the host of Tapestry, that very important national radio show, and is, a, is an institution around the, uh, the CBC and has been for a number of years. And uh, I look to Don advice and guidance uh, when it comes to uh, going into this new direction where, uh, in a sense, education and public broadcasting start to meet in this kind of format. Tonight, uh, we're looking at a an exercise, an event. Again, I'm hearing myself about 10 seconds later. Uh, we're looking at an event where we're combining 
education, formal education for credit in this institution. The students in this room are taking the course for credit as is in uh, Pincher Creek, who's connected to us uh, by video conference. So we've got three, <laughs> that's Lissa Bruder. We've got three, three channels open. And uh, I thought I'd start tonight, or we would start tonight with uh, some words from Gordon Campbell. Uh, Gordon Campbell, I refer to as uh, the Dean of Lethbridge. He's uh, formerly the Dean of Education at the University of Lethbridge and uh, is, uh, has dedicated himself to elevating the level of public discourse in Southern Alberta. He's been the spark plug and driving force of the Council, uh, Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs and uh, is a winner of uh, many awards. I think you have the Order of Canada and the, the provincial equivalent. Um, uh, Gordon is a, a, a very um, dedicated um, soldier in the cause of the public good. That's how I would, would put it. Uh, last night I was talking to Gordon on the phone uh, and he talked about marching with Tommy Douglas in 1962 when uh, the Canadian Medical Association and the American Medi Medical Association were trying to stop this uh, uh, move towards public health care. And uh, it was a bitter uh, confrontation and the doctors who were proposing to maintain the privatized approach lost. Public Medicare in Canada won. Uh, and so um, I'd like to call upon you, Gordon. I'm also, uh, I'd like to point out that James Moore sitting in front of the uh, computer screen up front, this is his uh, initiative in large measure. He's, like Gordon, uh, very much involved with the Friends of Medicare. And uh, James has been doing a lot of investigative reporting, in a, in a sense, on uh, some of the behind the, th the scenes uh, developments in the third way and James will be um, reporting to us on the uh, chat the uh, wh whatever involvement is taking place outside of the room and outside of these two centers on, on the chat line so we're trying to create a truly interactive event we're trying to uh, rise to the challenge put to us by the government of Alberta who asked that we that we give our feedback that we inform ourselves that we uh, let government know how we view the proposed changes, the third way changes. So, so we're we're rising to that uh, to that request and uh, trying to do the best we can to pull together uh, a number of form, informed individuals and those who are curious about this subject. And with that, Gordon, uh, please uh, share with us your your observations on on your own experience and how you see the situation. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. Just a few procedural uh, questions. With whom am I, in fact, interacting now in this room and in Edmonton and beyond? Anybody in the world who tunes into globalizationstudies.org is, is watching you now. And if you could put my mic up for a minute here. Uh, Gordon, it's Don Hill here in Edmonton. And shortly, in about 20 minutes from now, you can expect that the leader of the New Democrats in the province will be here. Brian Mason will be joining me. 
that's anticipated the legislature is literally a stone's throw away so we expect them to come this way in a few moments don't throw stones at the legislature it's bad for the public good but also it's highly expected that someone from the Liberal Party will be here as well I'm not quite certain if Dr. Taft will be here it's ambiguous at this point but certainly Brian Mason will be here so that and in this classroom here at the University of Lethbridge building in Edmonton we have approximately three other people joining us who you cannot see off-camera you mean they're in the room now why don't they yes why don't they sit somewhere where we can see them well they're shy yeah maybe they need an invitation but well they could be spies too I don't know you know it's the 90s in any case make yourself comfortable in Edmonton and Gordon the floor is yours Thank you so much, uh, Tony, for inviting inviting uh, me and us uh, here to to speak to to others around around the world. Uh, and uh, first, I, I I want to say that nobody achieves anything very of great significance alone in the area of social action. It takes a group, more of us than one. So if I happen to use the first person singular. Bear in mind that I really mean we as a company that work together and think together along these lines, and Tony is certainly one of them. And Don Hill, who's a hero of mine, it's a great honor to be on the same platform. If I can use those kind of words in this age, we are together. I never dreamed that I would have such an honor, and I feel that so. So uh, thank you that. Uh, Brian, uh, uh, Mason and I were at the same meeting last night here in Lethbridge. Uh, I had the pleasure to chair it, to, to introduce him, and uh, we can speak more about those things uh, uh, later on. Uh, uh, I want to talk about Michelle Day, who's on my right. Can I introduce her, Tony? Why don't you, uh, we'll, we'll save that for when she speaks. All right, all right. That's a special introduction for, <laughs> for her. So um, we're, we're about to deal with, um, with uh, what I think could be clearly called a, a crisis in, uh, in a, a major social instrument, an instrument of social policy in this country. And it's happening as we speak, in front of our eyes, it's happening in in Alberta and Canada and I think the world is 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 looking at uh, our attempts we have vast wealth in this province but I think uh, was it John Dunn who said ill fares the world with waking ills a prey where wealth accumulates and men decay it wasn't John Dunn it was Oh, it'll come to me in a moment. Those things that come back to to haunt you, those words. We've got more money than uh, wisdom, and we are doing damage to what we know is the right thing to do in Alberta with money. Uh, so uh, I want to talk about uh, the, re the return of money is as an issue in public health policy. Uh, return or can I use what's the word to back up uh, uh, as of 1962 in the police strike in the in a doctor's strike rather in Saskatchewan 
I start there because the, the issue, uh, as it is in Alberta, the issue was, amongst other things, uh, greed more than need, or can you say it from the point of view of the government, need more than greed, but it, it was a, a, uh, a dangerous, powerful, uh, and overwhelmingly significant social event in the life of Canada. The doctors who are, we are dependent upon them. They are our best friend. We know them. We want them to know us. They were leaving their practices, some of them, leaving their offices, closing their houses, mortgaging their houses uh, at this point to help make a case that we are not going to have uh, uh, the communists take over our health. We're not going to have uh, socialized medicine, not in this country. It won't work for you. It won't work for the doctors. It won't work, period. They wanted to make that case, and, uh, and they made it. That's an introductory statement, and I can go on from there, Tony, if you want me to, but maybe others want to, to chime in at this point, or I can keep going. No, this is a strike in Saskatchewan, and of course, uh, Medicare starts in Saskatchewan. It's first a policy of the provincial government, and then the principle is established in Saskatchewan, and then it's nationalized. That's right. It, it is where it began. Uh, I was uh, working in Saskatchewan as director of adult education at that time. I had just been married, and there was a strike. There were issues. What does one do? You begin a marriage. Uh, presumably, we're going to begin a family. And here are the doctors that had a case, the government that had a case, and uh, there was a people marching in the street. We had to make a decision as a family, uh, my wife and I. We had marched never before uh, in the street. Who marches with carrying signs on the street? What type of people do those things? Uh, Bolsheviks or other large words like that? Those kind of people do those things? Never did I in my pride feel that I might be thinking along those lines, but I was pulled to it, driven to it, uh, because of the power of the issue. And so I did. I walked, as I said to myself, I'm here in the gutter. Uh, I'm here with most of the people of this province, I felt. My wife and I marched on that strike. And I don't give myself a medal or not. I don't say those things. I want you just to know that I was there at, at that time um, doing what I think people of consequence do. They, they demonstrate. Uh, they do what they can do. They write words, they, they, they speak, they shout, they go to rallies, and we're going to be talking about uh, rallies later. So we had a rally, and uh, it moved at points of, within too close to for danger. There were police, of course. It was in front of the legislature, and there was attempts to bang down the doors of the legislature. Masses of people. You must understand that the Saskatchewan people have been through hell and high water in their, in their economy and in their lives. Uh, and, uh, and here was these people totally competent to face brutal hard facts. The system of medication or Medicare in that province and in Canada must change. 
and uh, they were prepared to demonstrate that and support Tommy Douglas. Now, as you know, and perhaps the world may know, that uh, Tommy Douglas has been uh, described by the majority of people in this country as Canada's most favored citizen. There are other words that can be used, but he is uh, 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 in, uh, recognized for his, the leadership that he's given nationally and, uh, and provincially and socially and in other ways in, in bringing about the, uh, the development of what is regarded uh, in Canada, I think, as the number one uh, jewel in the crown of being a Canadian. We prize this achievement. Uh, the collective cares about each other. In Christian terms, uh, we are our brother's keeper. We care about who lives across the street who has a brain tumor. She's Mrs. Black. And the person across these, on the other side, on the aisle on the street, is Mrs. Brown. Both of them, can you believe it, have brain tumors. Both of them need attention. They differ between themselves, can I just say, to simplify the case. One has inherited a conspicuous amount of money, and the other has none. Are we going to have continue the system where the person who has the money has that brain a tumor attended to properly, and the person who doesn't have the money who pays the doctors with some chickens or some eggs or some vegetables from the garden, as was the case in Saskatchewan, are that person going to suffer the brain tumor longer? Brain tumors work fast. That's an intolerable situation in a political democracy. And so, uh, so the strike wanted to make that case, that these two women that I'm suggesting uh, on either side of the streets, neighbors, citizens, Taxpayers equally had right to had their brain tumor attended to best medicine that was available to any citizen in that in that province and in Canada. So perhaps I can stop there. The purposes of the strike uh, was not to take a, uh, a, sh a shot at the medical profession as human beings. They're good people. They elected to be servants of the people. They were trained at public expense to be servants of the people, and they are good servants of the people. That was not, that was not the issue. There was broader issues at stake because the American Medical Association, the Canadian Medical Association, the Saskatchewan Medical Association all contributed large amounts of money to make this strike uh, go. And... Uh, the issue now, as we're going to come around to it, the issue now, again, is money. Greed, I suggest, is rearing its ugly head again, uh, where need ought to be, and equity ought to be, and mobility ought to be the issues. So I've spoken enough, Tony. Great. Mr. Campbell, it's it's Don Hill in Edmonton here, and listening to your and thank you for that because you accurately framed 
I think this evening's conversation, but there's a couple of things I'd like you to illuminate, please, sir. You were there, and at the time you marched side by side uh, with Tommy Douglas. Now, the Saskatchewan that we're speaking to back then, in some manners, if you think about it in some fashion, is similar to the Saskatchewan we're dealing with today. We're talking about a population well under one million people. Now, against that frame, and it's also very true, that uh, Saskatchewan relative to Alberta has had less wealth to work with than Alberta has. But what I wanted to, to, um, to bring, and I'd like to, to hear what you have to say, because you were there, and you have, um, over time, have been able to um, assign a value in terms of the quality of thinking that was going on at the time. And excuse me as I go off into deep space here. But this is probably the most important question, I think, that needs to be addressed, at least from my perspective, to illuminate and perhaps bring into the contemporary frame of reference uh, the third way is a question that is often not asked, but was asked by Tommy Douglas from the pulpit in Saskatchewan. The question he asks is, what do we mean by community? What do we mean by community? And all this other stuff about what kind of education we will have, what kind of health care, what kind of police force, flows from that question after it's addressed, what do we mean by community? Have I got that right? Uh, you bet you have. Uh, I want to illustrate the, my quick word, you bet, by telling you that last night <clears throat> when Brian Mason spoke to uh, a sundry group of folk uh, gathered to a meeting to hear him, uh, the first thing that I did as chair before introducing him was to ask everybody to stand and to look at one another, uh, to shake a hand and say, welcome, uh, uh, or introduce yourself. Uh, because we are citizens of a community. In this particular case, we happen to be now in this global part of the world. We happen to be in Lethbridge, but we are a community. We're dealing with ideas that go beyond uh, our, our immediate premise. But uh, we were a community, and we ought to shake our hands. We don't do that often enough. So we started with this notion that we, that we belong to one another. Another concept of, of, of community is citizenship. We all pay taxes. And uh, the tax rate varies according to the persuasions of the political power in action in, in, at that time and are used for such purposes as the, 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 the electorate happens to determine, hopefully, at an election. But um, they are, the issue is that we care for one another. We, 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 we are not transients on this, on this uh, path of ground that I wish I could quote Shakespeare adequately now. His seven stages, you know, there's not enough time to take the seven stages of uh, mewling and puking in my nurse's arms uh, and the, shoulder, the soldier, remember, you learned that in grade six or seven, I think. The stages, we go across the stage, we're part of a community. We belong. We are Canadians and we are proud of that. And we ought to be looking after one another and, and spreading our resources, our huge resources in Alberta. It's an interesting question at the time. Who owns the oil of Alberta, really? Who owns it? Why are we so furiously wanting to get 
that oil mined and into some person's pockets, usually outside of Canada. Why are we doing that? Why can't we wait for a while and spread around this kind of wealth and have a little time to understand in this community, what are we doing with this wealth for Canada, for Canadians, for other people? Can I say something on that? Can I respond to that? Okay, when, when, when you ask community, so I have to sit there and say, well, define a community. But the way I take it with, with, with healthcare, it doesn't matter if you are a subdivision of Lethbridge, if you're Lethbridge community, if you are an Albertan community, whether you're a national community. The way that Canada can benefit and has benefit is from a healthy community on all levels. So it's really unique when we're talking about healthcare and the police service or, or whatever. When it comes down to a federal level, which the federal government is involved, we have the Canadian Health Act, we have budget, you know, we vote on a federal level, whether we have a provincial level community where we vote on and it comes to budgeting and, and our elected government, where we have a community, Lethbridge, health regions, where, you know, that has been taken away from us where we have appointed people on our health regions, not elected people. And this is a, at a provincial, like if we get down to the grassroots, what a community where we know our neighbors and we're, you know, it should be a democratic thing. So when I look at, like, uh, when you ask about a community level, I, I sit there and, you know, I can look at a community on all levels, but are we democratic on all levels when we're just speaking specifically about healthcare? And unfortunately, I can't do that right now. I can vote federally. I can vote provincially. Can I vote for my health region representatives? No, because that was taken away from us. They're now all provincially appointed. So I, I have to respond to that. I had to say that. So when, when we talk about the community voice and what is a community, on all levels, I have to look at it. Do we have a voice? What is a community? But on all levels, are we democratic as a community? And when we're speaking specifically about health, I have to say no. Yes, sir. I, before we carry on, perhaps, Gordon, you could do the introduction, yes, uh, and I could welcome uh, Peggy Morton. Thank you so much for coming, Peggy. Hi, Tony. And, nice to see you. Uh, Peggy has uh, worked with these issues for decades uh, on the union side, representing healthcare workers. I think you're both uh, connected to the QP union. Um, so, um, Gordon, if you could introduce our, our guest, um, and, uh, and I'm introducing uh, Peggy Morton, and you know Don Hill, of course, uh, Peggy. And uh, I, I have a sense that uh, Don uh, may come in, but, but let's, let's do the introduction and, uh, and then uh, perhaps have a, a moment to reflect on, on what we've heard, and I, I think Don might have something to say. And then There's we'll a couple of things that I want to build from what Michelle is saying. Let me introduce uh, Michelle Day, D-A-Y, in a historical sense. Once upon a time, let me tell you a story. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a young lady uh, who went to uh, the University of Lethbridge and graduated from the Lethbridge University. This institution had a daughter and a social conscience. And uh, she found it important at a particular meeting uh, in this province, in this city of Lethbridge, in this planet Earth, uh, to demonstrate with her daughter, aged six, nine, 
who hasn't missed a meeting of the Friends Sorry. of Medicare or of the unions that her mother has gone to the, as a teen, this, this young lass. And one night, bitter cold, found it necessary, as they had said, said they would, to sleep on the street in front of the hospital to demonstrate and bring attention to the people, what was happening to their Medicare scheme that had been developed and was being altered significantly by the present government. And so they did, mother and daughter, in a cardboard box. My wife and I took them some muffins, and others did. But it's a little symbol. Uh, when you mean what you say and uh, believe in what you say, those are the kind of things you do to arouse public concern uh, uh, of the issues that are very complex and that are taking place right in front of your eyes. And there are many people who would take the view that uh, public uh, care, health care costs too much, we can't afford it, so why shouldn't people pay for it? It's that simple. I, I have to say hi to my sister in Edmonton. She's a cupy girl, because I'm a cupy girl too. Um, I, I, I started and I graduated with an anthropology BA here at the U of L, and I went and got training to become a personal care aide here in Lethbridge. I worked in the long-term care facility. I took a part-time casual position at a designated assisted living facility. That's where my grassroots research started to form because I said, what is the difference between a public system and a private system? That's where I started doing my grassroots development, and it was a mm -hmm. shock to my system. Things like medication giving. I was asked as a personal care person, someone just to, you know, bath, wash, dress, help feed, to give out medication. So it was my first shock. Um, I started becoming involved with QP on the anti-privatization and political action committee, uh, committee on the Alberta Division. And then I ran for the Alberta Division Young Worker position. And then I ended up on the National Young Worker position because, you know, unfortunately, there's not enough young people getting involved in, in social activism as well as unionism, period. So I... That, that's kind of my experience. Um, my specialization, however, is in senior care, but I've become um, part of the Friends of Medicare. I sit on their executive as well as a couple of the NDP's executive to um, further my knowledge and experience in activism. So um, what my specialization is, is senior long-term care, which has been hit hard by privatization. Is that it's actually one of the privatized parts. Should it be? Well, when Tommy Douglas brought in um, public Medicare, senior citizens were to be taken care of in hospital. Then they start this nursing homes, and seniors start going nursing homes, which was still covered under the public system, uh, long-term care. However, now with um, this provincial government, they brought in assisted living and designated assisted living, and it's all privatized. They've gotten... Mm -hmm rid of the public system by doing that. So my fear is that they're not trying to not only get rid of um, public health care in a whole, but they're doing it in parts here, parts there, parts here, parts there. And however, and it's sad that the senior part was hit first, and now with an aging society, especially in Alberta, by 2016, they say one in five Albertans will be a senior. One in five. There goes my dating chances, but... <laughs> it's been it's been hit with privatization because they know, like Gordon says, this is a money issue. This is where they can make their big bucks. So that that's that's my little intro.
Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll take up where you left off there, but uh, let me just um, uh, suggest that uh, you know this is this is a capitalist country. Um, government has worked with business to achieve major national projects in this uh, country. Uh, I need mention, for instance, the the Canadian Pacific Railway, which was a private for-profit company. It mm -hmm. uh, developed uh, the installation that made uh, the country viable, um, commercially viable. Um, I'm looking to Don, and I know Don has a very uh, interesting uh, um, mix of uh, historical uh, ideological traditions that he draws upon. And I think uh, one of those is a kind of libertarian approach. Um, and Don worked for um, Alberta Report and is uh, good friends with Ted Byfield. And uh, uh, maybe uh, Don is in a position to um, challenge you a bit, Gordon, and challenge uh, what we've heard. Um, um, we're going to talk about privatization. We've been talking about privatization in all kinds of contexts. Um, in a way, you know, the, the process that resulted in the colonization of the Americas was a process of privatizing privatizing, you know, the resource wealth of, 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 of this hemisphere. It's deeply, deeply rooted in the way our society is, is structured. Uh, um, so, Don, can you uh, pick, pick it up well, there's there? Two, yes, there's, there's two things I'd like to do first off, is that Brian Mason will not be joining us. Instead, we have a blank chair. His executive assistant just walked out to get himself a coffee. He'll be back. Uh, Peggy, of course, is here. But, Peggy, just before I let you... Uh, say your piece, as we should hear from you. Uh, I want to pick up on a couple of things um, that actually have arisen in two discussions earlier today. I spoke with David Wright, who is a professor in the Center for Military and Strategic Studies at the University of Calgary, who, among other people, he, and down the hall from him are people like Barry Cooper and David Berkeson and Greg Flanagan, or sorry, the other Flanagan, Tom Flanagan. Sorry, Greg. Um, but uh, what I wanted to get at in terms of the conversations aren't necessarily polarized, but they could easily be played out in the media that way. This is subtle. Uh, many of the positions that you'll hear coming from me aren't necessarily my positions, so to speak, but nevertheless are in the community and are certainly uh, should be discussed in a dialogue. Um, and I wanted to go back to Michelle briefly before I get back to you, Mr. Campbell, and I really appreciate the comments from both uh, Ms. Day and uh, Mr. Campbell. But Michelle, just to begin with you, and not because I'm picking on you, okay, <laughs> is when I, when, when I hear you speak uh, about privatization, you make it sound like a negative thing. Why? Why? Because when you go into privatization, whether it's health care, whether it's municipality things like water, um, you know, ice arenas, and I have to sit there and giggle to myself because as soon as you put a profit thing there, obviously these private companies are interested in what? Profit. So it's going to cost people more to get whatever, whatever service they want as soon as you put the profit motive there. Now, when you, when, if you separate profit from quality, Studies after studies after studies come back that the quality is not necessarily there because, you know, we want to make a profit. So, therefore, we're cutting corners on certain services. I mean, privatization of water alone. You know, I, I have to giggle. We pay more for a bottle of water than we do for gas right now. I mean, why is that? What regulations are behind these 
for-profit things. And it seems like the for-profit, because the thing is there, they fight the government on regulations, legislations, everything. And whose interest? The public's interest? No, I'm going to say the private interest. So in every different aspect, when we see these P3s or privatizations, um, it's the profit motive as well as less kind of regulations in favor for the people who are consuming these kind of things. And, and yes, that, that completely scares me. It's been proven time and time again. I mean, I went to the weighing of the evidence conference up in Calgary that the Friends of Medicare thing. This is one, one stat that we'll have to say that probably even be a part of. But in the States, because um, here in Canada, unfortunately, the health regions are openly to doing um, um, comparative research among each other, and it's just a new thing. But in the States, what they did was they took a private and public hospital in, in a couple of the states, and they did some research, and 10% increased rate of death to infants in comparison from private and private. So then I sit there and go, wow, 10%. Then they did one on adults, and it's a 2% increase risk of death in adults in a for-profit versus public So then I sit there. Do you want to sit there and have quality and life involved in a profit kind of system? Whether it's water, because I've studied water privatization, and it's a public system, there's less legislation on bottled water, how it's filtered, how it's regulated, how, than it is in a public system. We need to have that accountability factor, and I'm trying to find out the best way. And when you have a competitive market with so many other kind of uh, companies involved trying to get that better buck, you know, whether a one government system where we can continually have accountability on, you know, yes, I, I definitely have to say that I'm for the public system. I'm definitely biased. I'm not going to sit here and hide that in any way. And I just think that it's a better way.